Earth to Brit can be found wherever you go for your next podcast fix. My handle on Instagram and Facebook is Earth to Brit Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Earth to Brit Pod. Emails can be sent to earth to Brit.podcast at gmail.com. The podcast website is www.anchor.fm slash earth to Brit. Remember, Brit is spelled with two T's. B-R-I-T-T. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. This is a Yellow Wave production. I won't let you down. We love to fuck it up. Am I conscious? Am I trapping? I suppose that I break the mold. Could sell cracker, could crack the code. Both scenarios, I reload. But Bimby, where they do that at? So many offers on the table, we ain't signed shit. You think it happened overnight, but we designed it. I'm out of line, but now the stars is in alignment. Cause we the greatest now, we the greatest, we the greatest now, me, now, me. It's we the greatest now, me. We the greatest, we the greatest now, me, now, me. Hello, everybody. Hey everyone, Britt here at Earth to Brit. This week, we are going to continue with the party theme. We had my one-year episode last week. It's my party. Give it a listen if you haven't. Uh, this week is another party episode, but this one's very, 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 very different than mine. This one is not fun at all. It is confusing. It's sad. It uh, is angry. It makes me angry. And you're probably going to get angry several times throughout the story. Hang tight. It's worth it because it happened. This is a true story. This happened and it, it deserves to be told for the victim's sake. Um, also, it it's needs to be told to hold everyone involved accountable, including some of these party goers, majority of these party goers who you're going to hear about their actions or inactions. And uh, it's going to make your blood boil, probably. If not, that's fine. However, it made mine. So... <laughs> Just letting you know, a little bit of a warning. Uh, we're going to talk about this kid, Tyler, who killed his parents, cleaned up as best he could, moved everything, including their dead bodies, into their master bedroom, locked the door, locked his black lab in a closet, closet black lab, did I say that right? <laughs> Whatever. His dog, in a, one of his dogs in a closet, the other one who's blind and deaf, um, makes a couple of appearances, but she's terrified, Sophie, that's her name. I just can imagine they're both so cute and I hope they're doing okay. I hope they got help and I hope they ended up in a safe home. I tried to find out. I couldn't find information. If you're able to, please, I'm begging you. If you say nothing else, just tell me what happened to them if you know. Thank you. Uh, Yeah. And then he had a huge party and uh, shit goes down. There are a lot of theories, um, lots of evidence that people knew, didn't do anything. It's just a wild ride. So join me for it. We're going to make our way over to Port St. Lucie, Florida for the party of the century in the most disturbing way. Let's do it. (music) 
this whole situation takes place in Port St. Lucie in Florida. A little bit of information about Port St. Lucie. It's not built for teenagers. A lot of Florida is not, if you think about it. Lots of elderly people, lots of retirement communities, stuff like that. But there's also other neighborhoods, clearly, because there's several ages that live in Florida. All I'm saying is it's known that it's not a place teenagers want to live. Boring, to say the least. It was named after the patron saint of people with eye problems. (laughs) See, I mean, come on. It's basically explaining everything I just said for me with that one single sentence. I mean, that's... <laughs> Let, you know what? Let's do that. Let's name this town after the saint of people with eye problems. Okay. And they did it. They did the damn thing. It was the brainchild of three Jacksonville brothers, Frank, Elliot, and Robert Mackle. They were determined to profit from the massive migration of retirees to South Florida. Again. What did I just say? In 1961, the Mackles bought approximately 40,000 acres of swamp and pine flatwood forest, about 100 miles north of Miami. Then they took that land, subdivided it into plots measuring 80 by 125 feet, and then put full-page ads in Life and Newsweek that promised fulfillment of the Florida dream. A young girl with a blonde ponytail held a gigantic beach ball in her arms beneath a palm tree, A man with graying temples helmed a motorboat, accompanied by two young beauties. Blueprints touted the modern designs of fun-filled, sun-filled, space-age homes. So these guys are clearly entrepreneurs and know exactly what people want to see, and they gave them what they wanted to see. So as you can kind of guess, those images were fantasies. The land was still a swamp. But the price was right. You could buy a house in Port St. Lucie for just $10 down and $10 a month. Way, way cheaper than the more expensive retirement communities farther down the coast. But you would keep paying for the rest of your life. Depending on your age, uh, that could vary. (laughs) I'm not trying to be funny, but come on. Gotta have fun when you can. Especially when you're talking about this case, which is just so disturbing. So, By 1980, Port St. Lucie's population had grown to 15,000, and the city began to sprawl inland, overtaking I-95, which was nine miles from the coast. In 2006, at the height of the real estate boom, Port St. Lucie's population surpassed 150,000. It was actually the fastest-growing city in the United States. That's pretty interesting. Uh... The winding suburban lanes were graded so quickly that no one bothered to make sure that the street names were spelled correctly. Okay, these are interesting facts, but that one is driving me nuts. I cannot handle that. That is so, uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to keep moving on, but that drives, that that would be a reason I wouldn't, that would be a deal breaker for me. I can't live somewhere where, where they can't even spell, I can't do it. I can't go there. So if you were to drive through that city today, oh God, here we go. You will pass Galaxy Street, spelled G-A-L-A-X-I-E. Just so you know, Galaxy is actually, instead of I-E, it's a Y at the end. Uh, Voltaire Terrace, with the Voltaire is missing an E. Hershey Circle, with no E between the H and the Y. Twilight Terrace, T-W-Y-L-I-T-E. You know, I need to understand who was the one to do that anyways, because they clearly, that's not even being in a rush. You can be in a rush and spell correctly. That's someone who doesn't know 
how to spell it all because that's unless they did it on purpose who knows that that is a possibility so the names were designed to give this swampland a sophisticated (laughs) here that's called karma i'm making fun of the spelling and then i go and can't even speak sophisticated grandeur and speaking of that, the street which this family, the Hadley family, they lived on Grandeur Street since 1987. So yeah, basically slap a pretty label on it and call it a day. The victims, Tyler's parents, Blake and Mary Jo Hadley, had moved to Port St. Lucie from Fort Lauderdale about 24 years earlier. They did that because they wanted to be closer to Blake's parents, who had retired in a neighboring town of Stewart. Kind of nice and ideal, like you're close by, but you're not on top of each other. Now, just like anywhere else, pretty much, Port St. Lucie was eviscerated by the real estate crash. But Tyler's parents were pretty lucky because they both had recession-proof jobs. Blake was a watch engineer at the St. Lucie nuclear power plant, and he was doing that for 30 years. So he had a solid base. Mary Jo was a beloved elementary school teacher. One of her prior students, also a friend of Tyler's, once said, no matter who you were, even if she didn't like you, she would never give up on you. I wonder if that student was one that she didn't like. The way he said that, I don't know. It doesn't say, but I think that's kind of funny. Uh, Cameron, I hope hope you weren't a little shit because like you said, she wouldn't give up on you, but it makes me wonder if you were one of those. Tyler Hadley, that is the man-child, if you will, of the hour. He is the perpetrator, the murderer that we're going to be talking about this week. And what he did was he murdered his parents. And then he moved his those bodies into their bedroom. And then anything that he couldn't clean up, which, by the way, he spent three plus hours cleaning up blood, Um, there's some evidence photos. If you look it up, maybe I'll post them on Instagram. I'm not, I'm not sure yet what I'm going to do for that. So I don't want to promise anything, but you'll see splotches of blood. There's some, uh, some situations where party goers had noticed something sticky and then just washed it off when they were playing uh, beer pong, things like that. So he didn't get everything, which you never do, but it feels like it was obvious. However, after three hours cleaning and that still was there, it's just, it goes to show how much blood is involved in a murder like this times two. <sighs> so <clears throat> trying to find and get this ready. I just totally messed up and scrolled way down and I didn't mean to do it. Nope, not the one I want. Bear with me. Okay. So He wanted to throw a party, a huge party. Mind you, he's never thrown a party before. His parents were known to be very strict. There's never been a party at his house. So think of that kid in high school, if you have that, which I'm sure you do, just dig deep, who if you found out they were having a huge party and everyone was talking about it and you would be shocked because like that kid that that just doesn't fit. Like, no, there's no way they're having a party. That would have been me. Well, we had parties, but not like this. My parents were never gone when we had parties. And there was no drinking, drugs, nothing nothing like that. Because they were also strict, but we were in sports. It just wasn't a thing. But you all, you all know what I'm talking about. You can picture that person or persons 
in your mind. And that's kind of what the situation was. People were like, did, they didn't believe it. They're like, no, there's no way this is happening, whatever. Obviously, it it happens because word gets out, people show up, and then more people, blah, 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 how parties work. Um, and you could tell that if you looking back, you could tell it was going to be a huge party because almost nobody had heard of the kid who was throwing it. And history repeats itself time and time again when this is true for people. Like when you aren't sure who that person is, that party is, I don't know why. Maybe it's because you don't know who they are, so you don't have to worry about anything in your mind. You you get what I'm saying. Maybe that's why. I'm not sure. No strings attached kind of situation. I'm not positive, but that would make sense. Regardless, that's small potatoes. Doesn't really matter. Those details are not important because the party does happen. It's huge. We're going to get into it. So basically, he, Tyler had been telling his friends all week, which shows premeditation in my mind. Just keep that in the back of your brain for a little bit. Just let that simmer. Uh, he'd been telling everyone all week that he was going to have a party, but like I said, no one believed him. He'd never thrown one before. His parents were strict. There's no way. Um, so when it got closer to the day he said it was going to be, some of his friends asked him whether it was still going to happen. And he said, I'm working on it. So they pretty much thought, mm, okay, that means no. That's like when you ask a parent for something and they say maybe. Most times maybe means no. That's like a way to just shut up, leave me alone. We'll talk about it later. The answer is no. And I don't blame them. I would have thought that too. But that's not the case. At 11.25 a.m. on Saturday, July 16th, 2011, uh, Tyler received a Facebook message from his friend Antonio Ramirez. So I'm going to read this text message. The first one's from Tyler. After that's Antonio and then Tyler, Antonio, and then, well, okay, maybe I do have to. Okay, so Tyler said, sup, brah. Antonio says, chillin', what you doing tonight? Tyler, trying to have a party at my crib. Antonio, your parents ain't home? Tyler, nope. Tyler again, well, they're leaving soon. At 1.15 p.m., Tyler posted a message on his Facebook wall. Party at my crib tonight, dot, 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 maybe. So, again, no one's convinced by this, but at 8.15 p.m., he posts another message. Party at my house, HMU. Um, this is going <laughs> to show my age and or nerd alert. I don't know what HMU is. I meant to look that up. Hold on. We're going to do it right now. Going to Google what HMU means. Hold on. Uh, HMU. You guys are all out there screaming at me. It means this. Sorry, um, I'm 32, not that age means shit, but I also don't, I think, what was it? They're shaking my head, SMH, I had to look that up. <laughs> not recently, but recent enough that it's embarrassing for most people. I'm not embarrassed by it. Okay, what does HMU stand for? Hit me up. See, and then when I find the answer, I feel so dumb. But also, I'm just being real with you guys. I had to Google that. You just, you witnessed it. So hit me up, which makes me, cr my skin crawl. I, I don't want, don't not send me Facebook messages, you guys. I'm not trying to push people away, but I don't want to invite 
more work in my life. I don't want to invite people to talk to like I barely can answer my own mother or people I need to talk to and answer questions or ask questions. I can barely respond. I'm just constantly chasing around my three-year-old. And when I have a break, the last thing I want to do is work. So when he says, hit me up, that's an invitation for people to talk to me. No, not going to happen. This is why, well, this is why one of the reasons Tyler and I are very different. We're going to get into more reasons. And he's very different from you all as well, because what he does is seriously just, oh, so crazy. So again, his friends are a little bit more interested, but still like this, there's no way. Ashley Hayes messages him, whoa, what if your parents come home? He says, they won't trust me. Okay. So foreshadowing, but not for normal people. Like if you got that message, you're not going to think, oh my God, he's going to do something crazy unless he's done something crazy before, which he hasn't. I mean, he's been arrested for a fight a couple weeks before this. There's been some mental issues-ish, but they didn't crop up until high school, which is interesting. And also, we're going to talk later, if I have time, about a couple of my own theories about that, which are also depressing. So don't get excited. It's nothing. It's not going to make you feel better about him or what he did or anything like that. But there are, I have a couple of theories. So guess what? This party does start because Mike Young, one of his friends, shows up with 10 or so people, like give or take, of his own friends. And that's around 1130. Do you guys remember those days, by the way, when 1130 is when it started? I 100% do. And I thought then there's no way it's never not going to be like this for me. Listen, I'm a night owl. There is no fucking way I'm going to leave and start my night at 1130. And that is coming from a night owl. I'm not in bed until two or three when I have my freedom, which quarantine is basically every night. But no, just that's such a hard no. I can not believe that uh, that's how we work when we're younger. It's very uh, interesting. So Mike, the one who first showed up, he's popular, he's athletic, he's a junior. And basically, he says that he only knew Tyler by sight, like didn't even know what party he was going to. He shows up and he's like, oh, yeah, I I know him, but only because I've seen him before. That's also crazy to me in high school. Like, what's going on in this town? I just, I need to know. Uh And then we're going to talk about Tyler, his look. So he was pretty distinctive. He was very tall, very skinny. He was six foot one and 160 pounds. And this is at age 17, you guys. That's, that is, he's a big guy. When he was at school, people would say he was very quiet. Um, He kind of never talked. They almost, some of the students and classmates thought that he was nonverbal, but Okay, so until he was, apparently, every once in a while, he would randomly start talking or making sounds out of nowhere in the middle of class. Um, Like one time he was totally silent and then all of a sudden just started mooing like a cow. So to me, that would not be alarming without all of the other information. 
But with everything I've told you that are things people know, like the fact that he's very shy, very quiet, some things we're going to learn in the future about what his mother had him do to bulk up, which I'm not judging. I'm just saying it's a thing. It's a fact. And I think that impacted him. But with even without that information, it's very clear that something's not quite right. Again, no one is to blame because you can't, if we were to think that way, then anytime someone did anything different or weird or something we didn't like, we would be freaking out. And that would be every five seconds. I'm just saying a big picture and looking back, retrospect, hindsight's twenty twenty. it's clear that there was some serious issues. And again, that started at high school because prior to that, he was quoted as being very normal and loving and happy with his family. They, they Neighbors could hear them laughing in the pool. He was very caring towards his mother, uh, was upset once when he yelled at her and she cried. He felt so bad about it. He even talked to his friend, texted him about it and how bad he felt. I mean, something happened between eighth grade year and freshman year. And we don't ever know what that is, but I'm telling you, it has to be something. And like I said, I'll talk about some of my theories, but real quick, I got to take a second, uh, play an ad, and I'll be back to continue this grisly murder story that is absolutely astounding. Hey, do me a favor real quick and go to your app store. Then download Traffic Cam. It's spelled T-R-A-F-F-I-C-K-C-A-M. And it'll look like a white square with the letter E and the letter I. And the letter I will have a blue dot over it. What this app does is it helps you combat sex trafficking simply by uploading pictures of the hotel rooms you stay in when you travel. Because let's be honest, you're taking the pictures anyways. Probably to send to your friends and make them jealous or even just for yourself. Either way, take it a step further and add those photos to this app to help investigators search and find other images with this hotel room or a similar room just like it so that they can get more info and and narrow down these crazy elusive sex trafficker people i mean they are people believe it or not what they do is just inhumane though because a lot of times traffickers will post photos of their victims post in these hotel rooms that you're staying at for online advertisements. These pictures can become evidence and they can be used to find and prosecute the perpetrators of these crimes. So in order to use these pictures, investigators need you to help them out by uploading pictures of where you're staying and make it known where you're staying. That way they can take this picture and say, this is the Hilton, blah, 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 wherever, or this is I don't even know. Days in. I I don't know. I feel like they probably have everything you can imagine. Do it today. Because taking these photos that, like I said, you're probably already taking and adding them to this app, it won't take much time and it could save so many lives. And it could really, really help investigators out. Do the right thing. Take the pictures and send them to this app. So back to the beginning of this party and how it first started, obviously the Facebook post, but then Mike Young, the kid we were talking about, he didn't know who he was until he saw him, but knew it was a party. And that's sometimes all you need. Uh, He shows up with 10 people. 
before long, there are 60 kids in the house. And this number climbs and escalates throughout the night and early morning. But what you need to know is basically think about how I was describing Port St. Wait, no, <laughs> Port St. Lucie earlier. Uh, yeah, so that's one way to look at it. However, it's pretty clear because in this article, they are still talking about that, reiterating what I've talked about over and over. It's just not for young people. Even with as many people as they have living there, it's just, there's nothing for them to do. Nothing. Um, this article says it really, really well, and I can't get enough of it. So I'm going to read it for you because they, they really did a great job of painting a picture of where you don't want to be if you're a young teenager or a high school student, young adult, all that. So <laughs> the city, as we know, is 40 miles north of West Palm Beach. It was described as a tomb designed for the soon to be entombed. <laughs> Crude, but true. It had half a dozen golf courses, twice as many assisted living homes, seven funeral homes, two bingo halls, and a shuffleboard club. There's no access to the beach, no downtown. I repeat, no downtown and no place for teenagers to hang out at night other than a giant arcade called Superplay USA, which would advertise itself as a state-of-the-art family playground. So still not ideal. Doesn't sound appealing at all. Even the parks that they did have, they were all closed at night. So this kid who shows up first, Mike, they had already spent three hours just killing time at the mall in Stewart, which is 20 minutes down the coast. Remember, that's where uh, his dad's parents live. That's why they moved down to Port St. Lucie in the first place. And then they spent another hour at McDonald's. So, of course, they hear about this party. And at this point, I'm with them. If I were with them at that time, I'd be like, "What? please, anything. Let's go and do anything but this. That just sounds so boring. Like, it's boring if boring was boring, like boring's just not even a strong enough word for it. I feel like I need to take a nap just reading what they were doing. That is so horrible. Nothing to do. So Tyler answers the door. He's got a long black t-shirt on, black Dickies, and black Nike Air Force high top sneakers. Right away, he seems anxious, or at least as anxious as you can be while you're on ecstasy. That'll come in handy in a minute. I will explain. It was very clear that Tyler was rolling super high. His eyes were large and pretty much all white. His pupils super expanded and he kept rubbing his hands together and then nervously clenching his fists. And he says, I don't want anyone smoking inside. It's my parents' house, which is kind of an awkward thing to say right away, but whatever. I'm not going to judge because I've never been on ecstasy. So who even knows what I would say? Like I said, 60 kids end up not long after Mike shows up, probably because he tells everyone to come and and then his friends and you know how it is. It's just a ripple effect. And most of them had no idea who Tyler was, which is just wild to me. But again, if you're spending three hours at a mall and another hour at an hour at McDonald's, are you? No, I don't blame. I would be if I was in the radar area anywhere near this, I'd probably be at this party. I'm telling you right now, they, these kids were beyond bored. Um, yeah, so they were basically making the house their own as kids do, especially if they don't know the person that takes away any accountability. And even if you know that person, the accountability is already pretty low in high school. They were raiding for food in the kitchen. 
um, taking out stuff from the cupboards and moving everything around, using household items for whatever fun they were using them for, just basically just destroying this house and everything in it. Uh, they would throw like empty cans at the kitchen wall, throw them on the lawn. They would take their empty bottles, the glass ones, and just shatter them wherever they fell. It's crazy. There were cigarettes all over, extinguished on the rugs. I mean, some of them extinguished cigarettes on the counters, the walls. Again, nothing's safe and no one gives a single fuck. And I just, the anxiety I'm feeling at thinking about this is too much. I cannot handle that. Uh, it said, like, they obviously talked to all the friends that he had and all of the people who attended. And it was pretty much all across the board that Tyler didn't seem concerned with the destruction of the home. But he was very concerned about the noise because he was kept saying if the neighbors get pissed, they're going to call the cops. And then somebody uh, wanted to smoke. And I'm guessing this is before all the smoking happened. He was like, don't smoke in the house, like I said, when they first showed up. And he keeps telling people that. And then he said, never mind. Actually, you don't you can smoke inside. I don't care because he realized if people are leaving and they're acting this wild, that's going to draw attention and the cops are going to come, which I just want to say, Tyler, dude the cops are going to come no matter what. You can't, it doesn't fly anywhere to have a party unless you're out in the middle of nowhere. And even then the cops usually find out and they get there. Just the way of, it's a way of life. Apparently he did not know that. Then again, he never had parties before. So no judgment, not on that at least. <laughs> so Mike, the kid that first showed up, will say patient zero. Um, not a patient though. Why am I so obsessed with saying patients? Probably my job. I don't know. Uh, party goer zero, whatever the original, the OG, the first one to show up. He was talking with some girls on the couch when somebody super drunk, like a skater type kid, um, who happened to actually look like one of Tyler's friends. And I believe he was, he walks over and he says, I smell dead people and starts laughing uncontrollably. Mike's like, what is that supposed to mean? And then the guy goes, oh, I don't know. Some people are smoking, that's all. Mike's like, all right, dude, whatever. And then the skater just wanders away laughing. So you're thinking, I'm thinking, knowing the facts. Like he knew something, but then didn't care or was high. I don't know. Could be a coincidence. I don't think so. But either way, Mike's like, what? it's just weird. But it is weird that he said that. There's a couple things that happen. A couple people say some strange things that just, don't there's no way it, they can all be a coincidence uh so then this at another point in the party a large crowd had gathered around the beer pong table which was directly next to the family computer okay this is where it all happened um hold on real quick though yeah okay we're just going to talk about all this and then the actual situation i feel like it's more it's better that way. So they all get around this beer pong table and that is right next to the family computer and they are all taking turns playing songs on YouTube. Um, let's see. Lots of Wiz Khalifa, Lil Wayne, standard, totally standard, especially for that year 2011. And then people are noticing that the computer area was the dirtiest of the whole house. And the house was pretty dirty. And by dirty, we're talking like blood, guys. 
the white keyboard was tacky, they said, with brownish dried liquid. They thought beer, maybe Coke. Nobody looked too closely or cared. Uh, one kid, Jose Arazo, he was 17. He was playing beer pong when he heard somebody say, oh, he killed his parents. And then everyone started laughing. That's, again, you guys, somebody knows something. And by that, I mean a couple people because it's, I feel like shit's getting out at this point, and I don't know how. I, I just want to know, like, who, how were people finding this out? I, we know that Tyler starts telling certain people, um, but those were his friends. But did they overhear it? Did they find a way into the bedroom? Did they figure out it was blood? I don't know. People know something, and they're not saying anything, and it's so weird to me. It's very weird. Like, it makes me very uncomfortable that this many people either knew or had suspicions and they were there still partying. I I don't <laughs> like how that makes me feel like what is wrong with your psyche? Because no, you didn't do the killing. You didn't do the murder. But there's something off about every single one of those people. And I'm just, it's very alarming. Okay, so moving along. Hi, Audrey. Oh, let's see. So yeah. Again, people are, keep talking about this. People also keep asking Tyler where his parents are. Hold on. Hey, can you put that dinosaur away? Because we can't have that when I'm recording, okay? I know, and you can play with it really soon. I'm repeating myself. It's not going to be much anyway. I just don't know where I left off. Working and got my child who is, he's three. I mean, come on. He, it's like he's, he's so good for that. I have him in here with me and he's so quiet most of the time, but when he's not, he's not. You know what I mean if you have kids. So let's see, where was it? Okay, so people kept asking where his parents were, which makes sense because they all know. They might not know him well, but they know that he's never had a party before and they know his parents are strict. Uh, when my, Mark Andrews asked him, he said they went to Georgia. Ryan Stonecipher asked him, he says they're in Orlando. Then Richard Wooters says they don't, to not Richard. Tyler says this to Richard. He says, they don't live here. This is my house. So again, I'm not trying to give people tips or point out what they could have done better because the whole situation is messed up and it's not ideal and we just don't kill people, okay? However, when you do something, you tend to want to have the same answer because duh, but I think Tyler truly just, he was so messed up on drugs and then mentally I don't think that that was even remotely on his radar so Mark Andrews the one he said that they went to Georgia had met Tyler about 11 years prior when Mark's family moved to Port St. Lucie uh, their younger brothers were friends and so the families ended up living down the street from each other which is probably how their younger brothers became friends and when Tyler was 10 years old he showed up at the Andrews house after he had a fight with his mom and apparently he at that point at 10 years old he vowed that he would kill his parents uh Mark was like dude all parents piss you piss their kids off like every kid out there is pissed at their parents at some point often for others and then finally Tyler appears to calm down and agrees and then they just laughed about it um <laughs> alarming but also some people if they're super mad they say a lot of things they don't mean again I'm not Mark Andrews is not at fault nobody's at fault I'm just saying there's been signs throughout his life as far back as 10 years old and 
one of these was two days out, two days before the party. This next one, his Marky Phillips friend, ended up missing the party because he was actually in Chicago visiting his grandparents that weekend. But he had hung out with Tyler two nights earlier. They were playing video games, watching TV, and they were at Marky's house. Uh, Tyler seemed pretty fine that night, but okay, so two weeks before that is when the last clue was, minus the day of. But it's all confusing. But at the end of the day, minor details, okay? Minor details. Two weeks before that, they had been hanging out at Marky's house again. That's where they were. And Tyler blurted out in the middle of a conversation that he, and this is in direct quotes, wanted to kill his parents and have a big party after. That direct quote is not Tyler. That's Marky saying that that's what Tyler said. Um, Tyler said that nobody had ever done that before and that he thought it'd be great to throw a huge party with the bodies still in the house. Um, okay. <laughs> I feel like I can understand what Marky Phillips was thinking when he tells him that that's crazy. Uh, he just assumed Tyler was trying to make a joke. Uh, nobody ever took Tyler seriously when he talked about killing his parents, which apparently was more often than we're realizing. Like we know now the 10 years old could be sooner than that. And somebody just didn't say anything. Who knows? Um, but on July 2nd, 2011, which was two weeks before the party, Tyler complained that his mom had taken his cell phone and he was talking to a girl named Mercedes Marco. Um, he says, laugh out loud. By the way, there's going to be some vulgar language that's not mine because I do have vulgar language, but not not certain words. Tyler says, laugh out loud. Yep, she's a cunt. Faux show. I might kill her. Mercedes says, OMG, no jail. Or I mean prison, LOL. By the way, as I continue to read these texts, I just can't stop rolling my eyes. The way people talk is so superficial. Tyler, oh well, with a heart sign. Okay. I don't, that doesn't make sense, but none of them make sense. So then there's his other friend. Oh, this guy. There's something wrong with this guy. I'm convinced. Matthew Nobel. He's also 17. He's also a junior at the same high school. Um, At 9.40 a.m. on the morning of the party, Matt says, did you do it? I'm sorry. This sounds a lot like that case with the girl and her supposed boyfriend, the suicide over texting. Yeah, if you don't know about that, look it up. But he knew something. Matt for sure did. And I would like to know more information about him. Thank you very much. Uh, Tyler says, no, but I'm gonna. <laughs> this fucking Matt kid. I want to punch him. Bet? Question mark. You really should now. Do it. Three different texts. Bet? Question mark. The next one. You really should now. Then he sends another one. Do it. Seriously, dude. Somebody look into this kid. Tyler, don't worry. I am. Then I'm having a party. And then Matt says, yeah, party time, nigga. Seriously? I'm, I feel like I'm going to be researching him when I get done with this episode because that is so messed up. And I'm not saying he's at fault either, but he's also, there's something going on with him and he needs to be checked immediately. Can we get a, a well-being check on this kid? Anybody? Anybody who knows him or where he's at right now, can somebody look into this, please? Um, yeah, real quick. Ba-ba-ba. Okay, hold on, because this is not... Oh, yeah, so another thing about Port St. Lucie, just like a fun fact, I guess. Um, 
it's obviously full of teenagers who have nothing to do like figure it out city F- do something about that give them something um that might help at least try it i don't know um there's a lot of pot there so like a lot of people dealers from miami because it's so close to miami would buy up these empty houses for as little as fifty thousand dollars and then they would fill, outfit them with their led lights hydroponic systems and then use them as grow operations it, this became so popular. This wasn't like a random once-off, two-off, like every once in a while. This was so popular that the city had a new nickname, and they call it Pot St. Lucie. Haha, <laughs> not original, but still, that's how much people know about it. It's it's that well-known. Uh, actually, okay, so in 2006, local and federal law enforcement agencies busted 69 pot farms in town. But even after that, it still persists which it always will. Duh. I think we're starting to figure this out now and it's legal now. So that's okay. That's one less problem that we're fighting about that doesn't need to be fought about. Uh, Wasted energy. Because like they say, it's always going to be out there for sure. Uh, Let's see what else. There was some more stuff I wanted to say, but it's basically just a lot of people talking about how freaking boring it is. Oh yeah. There's also like no sidewalks. That's something so weird to me. So every town has that, like on the fringes, you know, the more country areas, once you get out of the town, stuff like that. But there's no sidewalks anywhere, probably because there is no uh, downtown, which is also a lot. Like, how is that even? How is that? I don't understand. I don't understand for a small town. Every town has a downtown. How does that work, especially with so many people living there? I, I'm not, I'm very confused by that. I can't wrap my mind around it and I'm so focused on it. Um, let's see. Oh, lots of crime because of the kids being so bored. Like the cops will give stories about all the things that they do that are so strange. Like coming to, they snuck into Walmart somehow. I'm wondering if it must have been open. I'm not sure. And they had their skateboards, just a whole group of kids. And they would go through the aisles and just take everything and throw it around. I mean, again, pointless, but also they're so bored. Not an excuse. I'm just saying. Uh, Yeah. So we're going to get back to this party part. Those dogs I talked about. Well, it seems that there were a couple sightings of the beagle, at least, in different places, which also makes me wonder, how was it in this room I'm about to tell you about? And then it ended up in the uh, shower in the bedroom that the bodies were in. That means that somebody had to go in there, whether it was Tyler or not. I feel like it was more than one person. And the fact that everyone's going around and they're catching snippets of people talking about him killing his parents. Somebody knows something and has seen something. And I think it's more than one somebody. I think it's a lot of somebody's. Um, okay, so by midnight, there were 100 people and these two dogs. So the black lab, they have no sign of him until the cops get there, which I told you locked in a closet. Or maybe I didn't tell you. Now you know. Spoiler alert. We'll get to that. (laughs) It's a mess. Whatever. Stay just, again, minor details, but you get the picture. So then Sophie, that uh, other dog, the beagle, she's partially deaf and blind, which is just so heartbreaking. Nowhere to be found. Um... But the beagle, nope, you guys, I'm really butchering this. I'm so sorry. 
the Sophie, the Labrador was named Sophie. They don't give us the name of the beagle, which bothers me, but whatever. The beagle was nowhere to be found at first, and neither was Sophie. Sophie remains nowhere to be found. And this beagle was seen, we don't know by who, they don't tell us that anyways, hiding in the bedroom that actually belonged to Tyler's older brother, Ryan, who had recently moved to North Carolina six weeks earlier to go to college. The party was only several hours old, but the room looked like it had been ransacked by thieves. There were clothes everywhere. The bedding was all over the place, and the bed frame was cracked. The beagle was seen cowered under the bed at this point. My freaking heart is breaking. I can't take this. Animal, like, I understand two people were murdered. I'm not okay with that, okay? However, and then I'm not saying those people were guilty, but animals are 100% innocent and they need us. And the fact that there are people at this party and seeing this dog in two different places and doing nothing about it, I want to wring their necks and I want to punch them in the face and I just want to freak out on them. How dare you? That's so fucked up. I hate it. So then um, this beagle moves again. And so wait. Let me think. Is Stephanie so Stephanie Castaneda gets shows up with her boyfriend? Nope, her friend. Whatever. Who knows? I'm not here to judge. What? I'm not going to investigate that. That's small potatoes. But her friend Joshua, they get there around midnight. She had a crush on Tyler, but didn't know him well. Well, that says everything. Because if you did, I doubt you'd have a crush. Uh, she says that he was standing real awkwardly by the wall next to his mom's computer and wasn't talking to anyone. So then Stephanie goes to the bathroom and she finds a beagle hiding in the shower. This poor freaking dog. I... I hope all the people there who knew or saw anything that spoke to these murders and didn't say anything and not only didn't say anything but stayed there and partied i hope that you have learned what part of that is extremely like it's all so wrong and i hope anyone who had contact with these dogs or knew that they were there even if you didn't see them and did nothing about it i'm gonna hold my comment and my uh opinion on that to myself because i don't know you and i don't want to say something that i would regret but uh I am not your fan at all. That's the that's all I'm going to say about that. I'm not even going to say how you make me feel, which is not good. Uh, okay, moving right along. So then there's this other guy. Like I told you before, there's lots of people. You don't have to worry about the names because the, they're all small details. Just the big picture is coming into play. I'm putting the pieces of the puzzle together for you. You're seeing what, the big picture coming all together, it's all going to wrap up nicely. Um, not nicely, but you know what I mean. And it's going to make sense in the fact that you're going to know the only things you need to know to know what how crazy messed up this situation is. So another friend, William Goodall, had known Tyler since the sixth grade, but had seen less and less of him since freshman year of high school. And I guess that's when uh, Tyler had started smoking weed probably not hard to find considering it's growing everywhere in pot st lucy see what i did there <laughs> uh so he couldn't tell whether tyler was acting especially strange because he says tyler always acted strange william i feel i feel that that's a great observation good on you 
So then we're here at 1230 a.m. Party's running out of beer. So Tyler asked Mark Andrews and his girlfriend, Ashley Gershman, to drive him to the Seneca gas station about a block away. Tyler gave a wad of 20 bills, $20 bills, so a wad of them to Mark, who was 21, and asked him to buy four cases of Bush Light. While they waited in Mark's car, Tyler mentioned to Ashley that his father had died. Ashley, who didn't know Tyler very well at all, assumed he meant that his father had passed away a long time ago. What a weird thing to say. Like It's like he's dying to either get it off of his chest or get attention for it. I can't decide which one it is yet. Or maybe both. Or maybe there's a third variable and there's another motive for telling people all these things that you don't like why. Who knows? We'll probably never know. But they get back to the house and then they find that everyone's playing water pong because there wasn't enough beer. I kind of like that. Like you're there for the game. Yeah, you're obviously there to get drunk, whatever. But when you run out of beer, you don't stop playing. You still play and have fun. That's I that's one thing they did that I like. And that's probably it. Uh, there was one kid who would walk around with a baggie of round white pills and he would sell them for a dollar a piece. We don't know what they were. Um, the fact that they're a dollar a piece, very concerning to me because that means he probably has a lot of them. And it also means it's very cheaply made, which means it's probably going to kill you. Just saying, I would not touch that with a 10 foot pole. So then there's somebody else there selling marijuana. I mean, entrepreneurs in their own way, but not ideal. So then Anthony Snook, I don't know if he's a friend or not not sure uh feels like they know each other because he shows up at 12 45 because someone had texted him that hadley's party was the biggest thing ever so obviously it's like you got to see it for yourself right he tells him thanks for throwing this party man how have you been tyler says all right but his voice is flat so i said that wrong probably like all right i don't know i i don't know how to impersonate somebody who's just clearly unstable and coming off the rocker real quick real fast snook knew i don't know why i said that so weird so snook what's his first name again let's see anthony i'm gonna say anthony because that last name is strange anthony knew tyler from school as a kind of like a sulky introverted kid who avoided eye contact and laughed at his own jokes Hmm, okay the avoiding eye contact thing is a is a that's a thing that that to me it doesn't i'm not judging anyone who does that but it tells me something about them and it's usually not a good something let me know if you guys have experience with that but to me it's 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 not a good sign it doesn't mean that they're bad but it just means something's very wrong either something has happened to them or something inside of them is very off laughing at your own jokes i do that all the time duh i do it all day long when i'm on the podcast you've heard me do it a hundred times this episode I'm also introverted, but I'm just trying to say, like, that doesn't mean anything bad. I don't want people who avoid eye contact, laugh through their own jokes, or, or introverted, can I talk, please, or are introverted to be labeled as bad. Just saying. I'm sticking up for those people, okay? That's all I'm doing. But let's see. Basically, 
despite the party getting crazier and crazier, which I'm thinking glass shattered everywhere, this poor beagle running from room to room, his brother's room has been ransacked, the bed is cracked, like the shit's already crazy. Sorry, who's saying it's getting worse? It's it's pretty much at that level, in my opinion. But he said, Anthony says it gets worse and worse and worse, and that Tyler is just perfectly calm all across the board. Um, that is until one kid comes running out of the house screaming without a shirt on then he comes back holding a mailbox over his head tyler goes where the fuck did you get that he says i took it off the neighbor's lawn he's so then this kid's wheeling around the living room with the mailbox knocking beer bottles to the floor probably hitting people with it how could you not there's so many people here so tyler starts yelling he's screaming something about a stealing a mailbox as a felony the police are going to come um Someone removed the mailbox from the house and put it to the street because he was freaking out so badly. But either way, damage is done. Damage is already done, dude. Tyler, you've got over 100 people in your house. You've got glass breaking. There's no way people aren't listening as far as neighbors. There's no way that you're going to get away with this. But whatever. That, I guess, was what pushed him over the edge. So then Anthony also noticed that the door to the master bedroom was closed. So he assumed that there were people inside getting high um, and he tried to enter it, but it was locked. It was dark in the house, but he did notice a black smear about a foot long, he says, beneath the door. He thought at first it was like an oil-based paint that someone tried to wipe away, but failed miserably at and that it dried that way and was not able to be removed. I mean, I guess that's a logical thing because you're not, going to think anyone's in there that's been killed unless you've been hearing everyone else talking about it which is again I'm going to say it for the 50th time alarming I don't think he did though because he was so confused by that so then we're going to go to another person Justin Wright who is a college soccer player Um, he actually asked that his real name be withheld so that is not his real name don't blame him you're a college soccer player you're a college student at a high school party that's kind of weird as it is but whatever you're in sports. You, that shit won't fly. So I get that. Don't blame him. So he gets there at 1.15 a.m. Again, you guys, he's arriving at this party at 1.15 in the morning. Do you remember those days? I, I do, but it's so wild to me. I just can't get over it. So he says the first thing he noticed like right away, like a brick wall, was the smell. He said it was like sweaty clothes that have been sitting around for way too long. You all know that smell. It's not good. It's real gross. He said the place was a mess. We already know that. The white uh, tile floors were grimy. I could assume that beer, people walking around on it, cigarettes being poured out on it, food thrown everywhere. That's ideal. That's ideal. No, that's not ideal. That's inevitable. Um, he said that there were lots of picture frames missing from the wall. That is weird. Other ones were like sideways hung, you know, as if they were bumped into or moved. Also weird. Why would anyone be touching those? Even Tyler. Yeah, it's weird because he he killed his parents. So anything he does is weird at this point. But just the smallest things catch my attention. Like, what's that about, right? Anyone else? So then he also says that there were lots of dishes around with instant macaroni and cheese just piled in the kitchen. Um. And so he asks Tyler, are there any house rules? Basically, I don't know if he was curious or if he was planning to go crazy himself. I have no idea. That's a kind of a weird question to ask, but 
whatever. Tyler says, just do whatever you want. It's so strange to me. So this kid, Tyler, wanted this party so badly, whether that's why he killed his parents or not. Regardless, his parents are murdered by him, hidden in the house. They're still there. No one knows. Well, allegedly, that's bullshit. Um, And he's getting what he wanted, so to speak, but he just seems to be so pissy about it. And I just don't understand. Um, So then I guess Justin is at this point, the one we were just talking about, the college soccer player. He's playing beer pong, you know, now that there's beer again, because they went and bought some. So the, no more water pong, back to beer. His ball bounced to the floor and rolled under the table where it stopped because it got stuck in a sticky, thick brown substance. Justin said he was kind of grossed out at first, but he didn't think much of it. And he carried the ball to the sink, rinsed it out, and then he kept playing the game. If you remember, or if you're not aware of beer pong, the ball ends up in the glass the cup you have to take that ball out and drink what's in the glass he didn't scrub that with soap and water which even if he did i don't want near that because we know what that is that's blood the all these kids are drinking oh it's so gross disgusting that i mean i feel like anyone who found that out whether it's the next day a week later they were all like running to the toilet to throw up i guarantee it all right um let's see I think I'm going to take, nope, I'm not going to take a break. We're going to just do this. Feel free to pause and do your shit, whatever you got to do, and come back. But uh, we're going to wrap this up soon, but I want to just plow on through while I have the chance. So, yeah, all these kids are drinking bloody blood pong. Oh, that's so gross. Blood pong. I just, should I, should that be the title? Yeah, that might be the title of the episode. I already have one, but I just might have to change it. You guys are getting some insight into the process. Isn't that amazing? I just love it. Okay. Let's see. Okay. So then Mark Andrews, we've talked about him before. As he's leaving the party, Tyler asks if they could talk privately. So they go outside and he tells all the kids that are standing out there to get back into the house so that his neighbors won't call the cops. So once everyone's inside, he, he turns to Mark and says, dude, I did some things. I might go to prison. I might go away for life. I don't know, dude. I'm freaking out right now. Mark's like, what are you talking about? Dude, I know you are not going to believe me. No one will believe me. I freaking killed somebody. Okay, this is so weird. I'll try to hold my commentary. Dude, you killing somebody is your own business, said Mark. Don't be telling me that sort of thing. I don't need to know. The fuck? What the fuck, Mark? I can't hold this commentary. I'm okay. Who the fuck says that? I don't need to know. Yeah, you fucking do. You don't kill people. Okay. Deep breaths. So Tyler goes back into the house where he runs into Ricardo Acevedo. I just butchered that. Whatever. Ricardo, who's 18 years old and had met Tyler that night, like probably a lot of other people because there's over 100 people. And then most of them say, I have no idea who this kid is, which I just don't understand. He says, thanks for having us over and thanks for the beer. So Ricardo's a nice kid. I don't know what he did inside that house. I don't know what he heard or didn't hear, but that's like, that's sweet. That's sweet, especially for a high school student. Just saying. Well, maybe he's in college. I don't know. But still, 18 to say that. That's nice. Can you guys tell I'm trying to see anything good in this situation just to get through this? That's what That's what that is. I'm, I'm finding the silver lining wherever I freaking can. Um, Tyler's like, I just wanted to do something fun before I left. He, Ricardo's like, where are you going? Tyler says, I'm going to kill myself. 
mind you, re- let me remember, remind you, they just met tonight and he's telling this kid this. So I have no doubts more people in that house knew what was going on or knew something than they're letting on. And I can't handle how much anger that makes me feel. I, but why would you say that to somebody you just met? He goes, why would you do that? Because I did something really bad. What'd you do? It can't be that bad. Which again, I need to reiterate, Ricardo is so, he just met him. He doesn't have to care. His own friend, Mark, is saying, you don't, don't tell me about killing people. I don't need to know about that. It's your own business. That's not a friend. Ricardo, I feel like maybe if you had met Tyler sooner, I'm just kidding. I'm not kidding, but I feel like he needed more Ricardo in his life than these other assholes. Just saying. He says, don't worry, said Tyler. If I get caught, I'll be in jail a long time. So then Tyler goes to his bedroom where he finds Kimberly Theban. She's a chubby, black-haired 20-year-old who was then known by friends as K-Nasty. So 2011, you guys, right? So apparently her and Tyler were close friends, and she actually lived only two houses down the street. He decides to, you know what, why not? Tell her too. He's probably telling everyone at this point. I'm going away for 60 years, he tells Kimberly. Um, First of all, I'd like to know where 60 years came from. Tyler I'd ask you okay dude but we know he's not but what is what is he talking about 60 years (laughs) why she wants to know he says that she'd find out tomorrow cool that's like the type of people that are looking for attention that drive me nuts like begging for it but then not giving any information just like say it or don't dude stop playing games so around 1 a.m we're going back in time a little bit he asks his friend Mike Mandel to walk outside so they could speak privately. Do you guys see a theme here? He's just going to everyone talking, saying different things, but pretty much the same thing. So Tyler and Mike have been best friends since they were eight years old. And for pretty much most of the party, they were together. Mike was chatting with other friends. Tyler was staring into the distance because we know people have come forward saying that he was standing around but not talking to anyone, which is so weird. Well, unless he's talking to them, telling them all the shit that he doesn't want people to know about, apparently. Make make up your mind, right? Oh, kids were just so frustrating. This whole story is so frustrating. So they get to the stop sign that's at the end of their block. And when they get there, Tyler tells Michael, I killed my parents. Mike's like, yeah, right. Michael, I'm being real. I'm not lying to you. If you look closely enough, you can see signs. He then tells Mike to look in the driveway, and Mike sees that the two cars closest to the garage were a black Toyota Tacoma truck that belonged to Tyler's dad and his mom's Red Ford Expedition. So, yep, like a good sleuth, if Tyler's parents weren't home, why were their cars there? Exactly. Good question. However, that wasn't enough. Mike still could not believe it. So Tyler's like, go look in the garage. So after making sure that nobody's watching him, he he like sneaks into the garage, turns on the light where he finds a bloody shoe print and immediately leaves, shutting the door behind him. So then Tyler takes Michael to the master bedroom where there are traces of blood on the door. Also, if you remember that kid, the college kid noticed, or maybe it wasn't the college kid, but that kid, whoever it was, noticed the um, blood on the bottom and like a foot long of it thought it was oil paint yeah so there's more blood not just on the bottom Uh, and then he opens the door after unlocking it mike sees dining room chairs 
blood-soaked towel stacked in a huge pile. And at the bottom of that pile, sticking out of the debris, he sees a thick white leg. Okay. I don't know that I would have even gotten that far because all that blood, I would have been like, I would have tried to play it cool, but like, I got to do something. Got to call the cops real quick. Be right back. Seriously. I would not go to the master bedroom or anywhere else with this kid. So Tyler tells him what happened. And this is when we are about to get into what happened. And some of the things I told you earlier are all going to make even more sense than they already do. Be right back. Without further delay, the whole reason we're here, the reason you're listening, it's time to talk about these murders. So that day of the party, around 5 p.m., well, actually like a little bit before 5, whatever, Tyler had his parents' cell phones so that they couldn't call for help. So he's putting this in motion. Shit's happening. He's taking steps and progressing forward with this murder plan if you want to call it a plan either way that's eerie just think about that taking knowing that your son took away your cell phone so that you wouldn't be able to call for help because of what he was about to do oh crazy so he says he listened to feel lucky which is a song by Lil boozy to psych himself up he also took three pills of ecstasy because he was concerned that he wouldn't be able to follow through with this if he was sober So then he goes to the garage where he finds a claw hammer, which is your typical hammer with the looks like a like hair in the back, like the little tooth long parts that pull the screws out. I'm really not doing a good job describing this. The hammer you think of when you think of a hammer, the most typical universal hammer, that's a claw hammer. So then he goes back into the house, stands behind his mom while she works at the family computer. For a full five minutes, he stands there. Do you guys remember I was saying all those people were on the computer looking up YouTube songs and there was sticky stuff all over the keyboard? They thought it was Coke or beer. Okay, it wasn't. Also remember that beer pong table, blood pong if you will, that's set up right next to it and the ball that falls under and is coated and gets stuck in this nasty sticky stuff? The blood? Yeah. So he stands there behind her while she's on the computer for five minutes. If you think that this couldn't get creepier or that what I told you all this whole episode before this was strange enough, I'm laying this shit on you. That's exactly right. So alarming. That's not even the right word, but it's just so creepy. Like the creep factor is through the roof. So after five minutes or around whatever, around that time, um, he raises the hammer, the claw end, by the way, that pointy part, not the hammer part that is flat with a circle, but the claw part. Again, it just gets worse and worse. Uh, And he brings it down onto her head. She immediately screams, why? Why? Twice. Um, So obviously, Blake his dad hears his wife screaming and comes running out of the master bedroom. So Tyler's a big guy, but so is Blake. He's six foot one and 300 pounds. Um, 
but nothing could have prepared him or anyone, I'd say, for what he saw when he ran out of the room. Apparently, they locked eyes for several moments. And again, Blake does the same thing that his wife did. He says, why? And Tyler screams, why the fuck not? And then he keeps repeating that question, why the fuck not, while he beat his father to death with the claw end of the hammer. So both parents got the claw end of the hammer, which is just, I have a headache thinking about it. I have a headache thinking about the hammer part in general, but the claw, why? That's so grizzly. Like, that is so just over the top. Um, yeah. Okay. So when it's over, he says that he wrapped towels around his parents' heads and dragged them into the master bedroom. He laid the bodies side by side, face down, and put the hammer on the ground in between them. It took him, as I mentioned earlier, three hours to clean up all the blood and gore, which he mentions that it was a lot longer than he had anticipated. Like, gotta hurry up. I am throwing a party. This is taking longer than I thought. Not your average delay, but when you're a murderer, this is the kind of things that hold you back, I guess. Uh, he said he also took everything incriminating, evidence-wise, that he could find that he wasn't able to get cleaned up into the bedroom. So these bodies are buried beneath Piles of broken dishes, shattered glass, bloody towels, pillowcases, books, a coffee table, a sponge mop, Clorox wipes, a canister of coffee grounds even, which is something he used to try to clean up the blood. I'm guessing he Googled that. Can we get a Google history check for this kid? Can we run it back for as long as he's had access? Just curious. Uh, asking for me, to be honest. So then he takes a shower. Um, he's telling Michael all this. And then after his shower, he stared at his reflection in the bathroom mirror and laughed. Okay. I don't know what to make of that. I feel like I would never do this, but if I did, that wouldn't, I probably would laugh too. Shock? I don't, I don't know. So when he tells Michael this, there's another kid in the hallway, probably a couple, but this kid saw it all. He's Max Mazur who's also a friend of Tyler's. He's standing in the hallway outside of the master bedroom when all of a sudden he sees Michael rush from the room, slamming the door behind him. He said that he looked, that Mike looked deranged and that he was looking over both of his shoulders. But here's where it just continues to get what the fuck factor. Michael did not leave the party. He stayed for another 45 minutes. And, and during that time, after he learns of this, after he sees this, everything, he even poses for selfies with Tyler. In one of those pictures uh, that was taken with Michael's cell phone, the two best friends are standing in what appears to be the garage. Michael, his face in this picture is stern and defiant. And in Tyler's hand, he's got this orange plastic cup that he raises with a slightly twisted mouth, but his eyes are very tense. Um, maybe I'll post this picture. I'll try. You can look it up. It's it's everywhere, but it's you can tell like he's in pain. He's in he's afraid. He's horrified, but he's also just messed up too. So then, around two a.m., somebody stands up and yells that there's another party being thrown by a neighbor of Mike Young's. Remember, party goer number one, the OG. So everyone begins running outside, tossing their drinks into the grass or into the house as they're leaving, getting getting into their cars. Um, Tyler ran out after them, and Josh, 
had just gotten into his car, Josh Court, I had talked about him earlier, when someone slammed on the driver's side window. Turns out it was Tyler. He yells, where is everybody going? So Josh rolls down the window, tells him we're going to another party. Said that Tyler looked relieved and said, oh, all right. Um, yeah, just relieved, I guess is the best way to describe his expression. I wasn't there, so I don't know, but... 14 cars in total peel out of that neighborhood and they all go up to Prima Vista, Bay Sh- up Prima Vista to Bayshore. I don't know if these are roads, towns, I don't know. And they finally get to the house that this party's at. The house is dark and quiet and there's a girl that comes outside in her pajamas. Clearly she's not having a party. She tells them, obviously it's a rumor. There's nothing to see here. So meanwhile, that commotion of all these cars leaving that is what pushed Tyler's neighbors Rayanne Wallace they live directly next door and had known Tyler since he was born that was enough for them she she liked them she liked Tyler she thought he was a happy kid he she thought he was respectful and polite she knew what he liked to do he liked to skateboard ride his bike toss a football in the street uh one time she says she asked him not to throw the ball too close to her car and he says yes ma'am just she actually even mentions that she, just like a nice kid, and she mentions that when her and her husband would go away for the weekend or on trips, she'd give Tyler money to keep watch over her house. I have a feeling she's looking back at this like, whoa, close call. You, I mean, you just never know, but that's wild. Can you picture giving money to somebody like this and then this happens after the fact? Like, that could have been your house. It's just scary. Um, so yeah, we've already talked about Tyler's personality nice but then not just all over the board he was getting into trouble sometimes um one parent had her son like found them smoking and said that he couldn't hang out with tyler anymore and tyler's mom's like my son doesn't smoke and then she's like but i i saw it so he does and it wasn't a confrontational thing it was just like i think you should know and his mom says well you know tyler what does that mean I feel like it just means that he is like up and down all over the place. I don't know. They don't really say other than how weird he is and how he seemed normal. But then other times he didn't. I don't know what to make of that, but I'm not sure. Um, There is another thing. Uh, Let's see. So 10 weeks before his party, he ended up getting in a fight at a friend's house and ended up because of that fight arrested on a charge of aggravated battery so he's already got a juvenile record and he had previously been convicted of burglary so that means that this wasn't going to just go away so he was sentenced to a week at st Lucie county jail followed by two weeks of house arrest so mary joe takes his phone and now that means tyler has the only way to communicate with friends is on facebook um, and then there's lots of messages there that I don't want to read you because they're not really, they're just as weird as all the other ones. Like he talks about committing suicide and then pulls it back and then just, and then they're so very shallow. Like he talks about wanting to die. Somebody said, the girl goes, why? Um, what other reasons are there? Are you being serious? Yes. I do want to die sometimes. And she goes, don't die, D-I-E-E-E. Like, don't die. Stop. I can't. And that's why I'm not going to read anymore. I just, that is a perfect example of how teenagers communicate, I guess. 
I feel like it's pretty much universal, but it's also so annoying, to be honest. I don't think they're all like that. And I'm not saying that they're shallow people. It's just a time in their life when they just can't communicate like normal people, I feel. So yeah, there's just so many texts like that. Um, The one I told you about earlier in the very beginning about Mother's Day and how he made her cry and he felt so bad. So like, he cared, but then he didn't. It's like, is he a psychopath? What did something happen to him? Um, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know. There's so many theories, but there's also no way to know, which is probably the worst part, but that's nothing new in these cases. If you're, if you've been a listener or if you listen to other podcasts or if you're into true crime in general, we can guess and guess and guess. And the, that's the thing. We'll never know. Even when people confess to things, we'll never know like the why, because we'll, the second we understand that, it's we're past that point, we're past that line of coming back and being normal ever again, I, I'm convinced. But also, who's to say that that's the truth? If, if you can't see inside someone's brain and truly understand them, you can't know why. So it's frustrating, but these things happened, which is why I talk about them. These, the, these two parents, they raised children um, we know there's three for sure. We know he has a younger brother, him, and we know he has an older brother. There could be others, but who knows? Um, they don't tell us. All I'm saying is this happened and they deserve their story to be told. I wish we knew more about them, but unfortunately I couldn't find anything really. But uh, there is something kind of interesting. So one month before, well, it's all interesting. One month before the party, Tyler came home, smack, like it, his words, smash as fuck. That's what he says. After a night out and during this time he was out, he ended up peeing on his friend, her bed. I don't know why that's a detail. It just, I think it goes to show just how messed up he was. So Mary Jo admits him to New Horizons, which is a mental health clinic. So Tyler was forced to attend counseling daily in order because in order to commit Tyler, Mary Jo invoked the Baker Act, which under Florida law allows for parents to commit their children, if they're under the age of 18, to involuntary psychiatric treatment. This act is only used if it's deemed a substantial likelihood that without intervention, the child will cause seriously serious bodily harm to himself or others in the near future. So a co-worker asks Mary Jo if she's worried about whether Tyler might ever hurt her. And she, Mary Jo says she was only worried that Tyler might hurt himself. Mary Jo also suffered from depression and she was always worried that her son might suffer from it as well. So she must have seen something in him that she recognized, not necessarily in the degree that he had uh, behavior issues, but something was there that she saw that she recognized. Um, He had received counseling prior for depression as well as an eating disorder and poor self-esteem and this is the part that I'm just like Mary Jo I get it but also girl that will mess with a child at any point in life but especially early adolescence so here's what she does she had Tyler take injections of human growth hormone when he was an early adolescent because she thought it might boost his confidence She was afraid that he'd get teased in school if he was short and chubby. Okay, again, I don't, the girl was murdered by this son that she had take these. And I feel like every mother, for the most part, have, has the best intentions. But I am so not on board with that in any way, shape or form. That can really, really mess with 
a psyche, um, hormones, which are just about everything. Hormones control seriously everything. I'm not even kidding it to impact the hormones that much, especially at a time when they're already so impacted when you're an early, early child, like adolescent, you're a child, teenager, that, that period where you're just trying to figure shit out and you're going through the worst shit storm inside of your body <laughs> chemically to add injections of human growth hormone during that time, especially so say you do that for someone in quotes, normal with no mental health issues at all a problem. Do it with somebody who's clearly showing signs of there being something going on. It's a, it is a recipe for a storm. I, I can't say it anymore. That's just, I don't know if that is what pushed him over the edge or made it the worst thing ever from then on out. I don't know. I don't know the impact it had, but I know it had an impact because science. However, again, I'm not trying to judge her. It's just not a good idea. So definitely if you're listening, don't do that. Okay. Common sense says not to, but just please don't do that. That's such a bad idea. Um, and then, so after he gets out of this care, psychiatric care, involuntary, by the way, which is also not ideal, but if you, you got to do what you got to do, I get that. I, if you had to do that, sure, do it. Just, it's just sad. That sucks because that's never going to guarantee to do anything. But sometimes it is. If you can't help yourself, someone has to help you, I guess. I don't know. But so he gets out of there and then there, it's two weeks before the party and somebody was talking to Mary Jo about it and asked a couple questions and whatnot. And basically Mary Jo was very excited and very happy. She was very um, enthusiastic about his behavior and how he was acting and the fact that she said in quotes that he was finally over the hurdle so she was also really excited because she was seeing the Tyler that she knows deep down and she was telling everyone she was so excited to see him finally back to himself. As a person who has other people in their life, like all of us, anytime someone around us goes through something and then they bounce back and make it back, it's, it is a really great feeling. I can only imagine how it would feel as a mother to have that happen with your own son worst part how would that feel if two weeks after you say that and express that and feel that way he kills you I mean oh not ideal right so there's just you guys I this is like the longest episode without even intending it to be that way there's more going on there's more text there's more information that I'm sure you would find it super interesting because I find it interesting as well. But I need to skip to the part where the police show up and shit goes down. Back to this party when it all kind of falls apart. We were headed there all along. Don't act like I'm trying to throw a, a surprise at you. We knew this was going to happen. It's inevitable. So that neighbor couldn't take all the sounds of the cars. Like that was just too much. All the blasting music. That's enough. I'm calling the cops. I don't blame her. I don't care how well you know the neighbors. I don't care if it might make it awkward. Like, make it anonymous or don't. You have the right. That would drive me absolutely insane to have to listen to that all night. So she calls the cops. They show up within minutes. By that point, there were less than 20 people left at the party. When they ring the doorbell, Tyler tells everyone to be quiet and hide in his room. And then he opens the door. The cops say there's noise complaints. We've all been there. You hide. It's silent. They leave. Whatever. Party starts again, which I've also never understood. I'd be like, okay, hey guys, go home. 
they're not, it's not like they're not going to come back. So by 2.30, all these people that had left for the other party that was clearly not happening, they come back. And at this point, everyone is all on, everyone's on the same page when they talk to police and say that they all noticed that he is acting very strange. There's something very wrong. Um, he's like slamming doors, checking windows, closing the blinds. Uh, he kept like playing with his hair. Um, let's see, pacing. But then he tells people, this party was fun. I might have another one tomorrow night. Then he keeps talking about how he's going away for a while. Um, again, I don't know. I might kill myself. Just like shut the fuck up already, please. I'm so over this. You guys probably are too. Uh, let's see. So then he eventually turns the lights off in the front rooms because he doesn't want to uh, attract any more attention from the cops. Again, probably too late for that. They came there once. They're coming back. Um, he posts another message on Facebook at 4.40 a.m. Party at my house again. Hit me up. Okay. Wanting more people to come, even though he just tried to shut everything down. I'm so confused I by him. I, I'm just done trying to figure him out. And yeah, people are still showing up at 4.40 and after. And it might have gone on forever if the police hadn't, at that very minute, been standing right outside his front door. Because Michael Mandel had called the Crime Stoppers hotline and told them everything. You know, the one who found everything because he told him and had him in the master bedroom. He saw everything, but then stayed and took pictures, whatever. I'm not judging. I'm just saying that's I can't get on that level because of that would not happen. I would never be able to do that. But who knows? Um, officers Adrian Zamoyski and Charles Green were dispatched to their address at 4.32 a.m. They park across the street. They see there are three cars in front of the house, a cream-colored Lincoln, a black Toyota Tacoma truck, and a red Ford Expedition. They run the plates. The first car was registered to Tyler Hadley, and the others were to his parents. So where these kids are coming back and showing up again from, I'm not sure whatever. Uh, as they're walking up to the house, they remember hearing somebody talking inside of the house. And Officer Green saw through the front bay window a shadow of a person walking back and forth. So he kneels by the window, peering through the blinds, and he can see Tyler pacing the living room, talking to himself. And he said he had a very disturbing look on his face. He wrote that in his police report. So yikes. Uh, his eyes were very wide. He was not blinking. Uh, Tyler then grabs a stack of books from a bookshelf but that was by the front door and then marches them back into the bedroom saying stuff unintelligible in a frantic manner, which is basically, he, who knows, maybe he thought that was evidence, saw blood. I have no idea what he's thinking at this point. I didn't even at the beginning. He's beyond my understanding level. Uh, so he keeps doing that twice more for a third and second, a second and third stack of books. Finally, Green knocks on the front door ring and rings the doorbell. Nobody answers, but he Green could see Tyler through the window, walking away from the door. The rest of the lights in the house went off. Like, dude, would you think they're not going to see that? Whatever. So then he opens the door. He's wearing his black shirt, black shorts. Same thing it seems that he was wearing earlier. Uh, and his left hand is hidden behind his back. So Officer Zomoyski draws his gun, naturally, and orders Hadley to put up his hands and step out of the house. He does that. They check him for weapons, then order him to the ground and handcuff him. They ask about if any adults are home, all the things that, you know, standard protocol. Tyler is very frantic. Now they're both noticing how huge his pupils are. And he says to them, I know I'm going to Rock Road. 
which is the address of St. Lucie County Jail, by the way. So just take me. So he's shackled in the driveway. They go in the house. He screamed, you can't go in there. Don't go in there. So there's a shitstorm inside, as you can imagine. Beer bottles everywhere. Um, unraveled cigars everywhere, which is strange. Uh, like, why? Uh, an empty purse, even. But that was found on his bed, which is kind of strange. A woman's empty purse. They don't say whose it was, but that's weird. Um so then the furniture in his brother's bedroom, the one with that cracked bed, now it's all turned over. So it was cracked. Then they come back in and they turn it over. Like, what happened in this house? It's so weird to me. The party goers are so weird. Like, you are a strange group of people. I don't know if it's the town or what, or if it was just that class or that those students. I'm not sure. But you're really, really weird. Um, they find that Labrador that we have not heard from about throughout this whole party locked in a closet. I just want to punch somebody. So then they approach the master bedroom. It's locked. They force open because especially after seeing that blood that everyone else noticed or a couple people, it's not good. So the funeral's huge. He ends up going to court. Obviously, um, he claims like that he is sorry that he was confused that he wishes he didn't do it stuff like that that he's what just like your typical you're not necessarily making sense it doesn't seem like you are actually um sorry at all but you're saying the things that you think people want to hear but the fact that you're kind of messed up something's going on the things that you think people want to hear are just even more weird than what we the world can imagine does that make sense just like I don't even know. Just, you'd have to read it. I'm not going to read it to you. I've already gone past the time limit for this episode. But, uh, yeah. I don't know. It's just weird. When he talks about Ryan, his brother, and his grandparents, he's like, he feels bad for them. He feels like they don't love him anymore. So kind of like, I feel bad for you, even though I'm the one that did the reason I feel bad for you. And then, like, the pity party of you don't love me anymore. I just, I don't know. He says he forgives Michael for turning him in um, and preventing him from committing suicide because earlier in the party, I didn't, I left this part out. He had collected a bunch of pills, which I'm wondering if that white pills, and he said that was Percocet. I'm wondering if that was the $1 pills that kid was selling. If you're selling Percocet for $1, I don't understand. I don't know. I don't know street value on drugs, but I feel like it'd be more than a dollar, whatever. And hides them in the closet and Mike sees them and takes them before he can use them. Which, who knows if he would have or not, I really don't know. It seems like he's a lot of talk, but he's also talked about killing his parents and then he did it. So he he could have been willing and ready to commit suicide. I don't know. We'll never know. Because he's in jail now. But he tells Michael he forgives him for turning him in and keeping him from killing himself. But not before he points out that, in quotes, I'm in jail because of you. So again, like, make up your mind pick a side or just don't lie. If you're not sorry, don't pretend to be sorry. No one wants to hear lies. And you're, you're very obvious because you're just going back and forth and you just don't make sense. Um, yeah. So a lot of kids though, this is alarming. After the bust is made and people are finding out and it's verified that he really did get arrested for killing his parents and they, all the people that were at the party were like happy about it. Like, that's creepy. I can't believe a party last night with their dead people. Um, 
they were like, I saw you on the news, bro. And I'm like, yeah, it was awesome. Like, I can't. Uh, the 16-year-old cheerleader that was mentioned earlier, if not, there was a 16-year-old cheerleader, whatever. Uh, she wasn't upset when she found out. She says she wasn't scared or disgusted. It's not like I knew him personally. I was just in awe. What the fuck is wrong with these people? Is this teenagers across the the universe? Is it just America? Is it just Florida? Is it just Port St. Lucie? What's going on? Do they have any feelings? I'm just seriously. Um, another one. One. Anthony. 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 He's like, whoa, I just went to the party of a lifetime. It's messed up what he did. But 20 years from now, I'll be able to say I was there. I hate Port St. Lucie, but that's kind of cool. Is it? Is it kind of cool, Anthony? I mean, these kids are... I don't know, you guys, what to say about that. What do you think about that? They can't text each other. D don't die. Like, the kid's telling you he's going to kill himself. Like, I just don't understand these kids. Do they have any ability to connect at all or feel empathy or apathy? Not apathy. That's the opposite. I'm See, I'm getting so messed up and angry that I can't even keep my words straight. So yeah, that happened, by the way, on July 16th of 2011. He was arrested the next day, which next day, but the party was still kind of happening. Um, yeah, he has been sentenced to life in prison without parole. And that was on March 21st of 2014, where he is continuing to reside to this day. So that's the story of Tyler Hadley and the murder of his parents, Blake Hadley and Mary Jo Hadley in Port St. Lucie, Florida. Uh, pretty messed up. I'm still pissed about the dogs. I'm never going to get over that. I hope everyone at that party, I hope you feel as shitty as you should for anyone who saw those dogs or knew they were there. You shouldn't, you should. And I hope you do because that is so messed up. And also, um, I feel bad for his family, surviving family. They talk about his uncle or grandfather, I can't quite remember, but being there at the at the hearing and at the sentencing and crying and he actually said something along the lines of he felt like he lost two like today was another funeral. Um I think it was his uncle because it, it was his dad's brother and he's he says he feels like he lost another family member on the same day that he was sentenced because he did because they, they were okay with it. They were like, he needs to be punished, but it, it doesn't mean it can't even after something horrible like that, it, you can't help but like feel like the grief of losing someone. Cause even though he's still alive, you lost him because of what he did. You don't, does that make sense? I don't know. This one uh, stuck out to me when I was searching cases for this week and I just had to do it. I just had to do it and get it out of the way because it needed to be done, but wasn't looking forward to it. I'm not looking forward to any of them, but some of them are easier than others. This was not one of the easy ones. Either way, I hope you enjoyed. And uh, since this one was longer and you've got that Sharon Tate one, which if you haven't listened to it, you need to. It's so good. Uh, I will be taking off next Tuesday. There will not be an episode next Tuesday when that is May 11th. Okay. I'm not doing it. I'm taking a break. You've got plenty of material and no worries because I will be back. Nope. That's not the 11th. That's the 12th. What are calendars? What are dates? It's quarantine. I'm surprised I'm even in, in the correct month, <laughs> to be honest. So Tuesday, May 12th, there will not be an episode, but I will be back Tuesday, May 19th. Okay. 
Hope you enjoyed. Go listen to the rest of the episodes if, that you haven't listened to. Definitely the Sharon Tate one. That one's getting really good feedback. Thank God, because I poured my heart into it. Oh, love that one. Um, yeah. I hope you enjoyed. You know what I mean. And go, feel free to look into this case. It's There's so much more I didn't tell you. I could go on for days. There's so much information. It's crazy. I will be posting pictures online, Instagram and Facebook. Don't forget to leave a review on iTunes. iTunes is king. It is what it is. We've got to play. You got to play by the rules sometimes. So yeah, go to iTunes, subscribe, rate, review, and I will see you all in two weeks. Have a good one. Bye. Peace. <laughs> oh, silly boy. Peace out. <laughs> Peace out. This is a Yellow Wave production.